This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom. In this week's podcast, forgiving people does not make God forgive you. God chooses to forgive people based on the sacrifice of His Son, based on His love for us, and that's it. Happy New Year and welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon and I'll be hosting a conversation with Pastor Christian today. And in this episode, we'll be talking about his most recent message from our new series entitled Dear God, Learning to Talk to God. Uh, this is our first podcast of 2020, Pastor Christian. And as a church, we couldn't be more excited about the new year ahead. You know, we took a little break from the podcast after Christmas. In fact, we had a little time of rest following an intense Christmas season with 10 services over four, four days, a couple thousand people in attendance. It was, it was a very special season. Before we discuss your message, um, I thought we could take a moment to look back for just a minute and, and talk about the Difference Maker uh, series and campaign that we finished 2019 with. Would you Would you mind sharing with our podcast listeners how the building campaign ended and and what we're celebrating as a church? Yeah, so I would rephrase your your question a little bit. I would say um, update our listeners on how the Difference Makers campaign started um, because it really we we haven't ended. What we were trying to figure out over six weeks was: is it time to start? Not is it time to finish, but. Uh, is our is our church on mission? Is our church ready to go? The six weeks of lean, leaning into the campaign were incredible um, for the sake of being reminded how much of a movement Jesus Church is, right? It's not a place you come. It's, it's not a building. It's not a place you attend. Jesus Church is a, is a movement, and it's on mission. And we, we got a chance to just kind of remind everyone of that, uh, and it was our goal over a two-year camp, a, a two-year uh, season to be able to raise eight to nine million dollars um, in pledges above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings to be able to combine that with a financing package and be able to build at least the the big parts um, of our project a worship auditorium an atrium where a church could be a family together upgrade our kids ministry facilities of course we we could raise a lot more uh, and try to build a lot more but we knew we really needed a minimum of eight million dollars plus a financing package to kick that off um, and Man, we were thrilled at all of our Christmas services to announce that our pledges actually came in over ten point seven million dollars. So you know the the baseline was man, we had to get to eight. We hoped to get to nine, and we ended up almost at eleven. And I mean that's that's some that's something only God could take credit for. I mean at eight you could say wow we did it. At nine you could kind of say God helped us, and and at ten point seven almost ten point eight you just say God did all of it. Like we. You, you can't begin to take credit for a dollar of it. it it's only know. God moving in the, in the direction of the impact that he wants our church to have in the future. So we're thrilled. We are going to continue raising money over the next two years. Uh, we know that to build out the entire campus, like I told everyone in our info dinners that we had about, you know, 10 info dinners, um, that property, the, the final finished property is probably an 18 to $20 million project. So we're over the next two years going to keep raising money, going to keep taking pledges. We hope now to collect everything that has been pledged and we want to build as much of our 25 five-year master site vision plan campus as we possibly can. But um, there was no better way to end the year Mm -hmm. than to announce that and celebrate that together as a church. And there's no better way to start now the official building and building project um, than, than with faith commitments that say, 
hey, we're, we're in. Uh, we think God's moving. Let's, let's continue to expand our engine, expand the number of seats in our car so we can drive towards the vision faster and with more people. So tell me, tell me a little bit about your feeling just for a moment. You wake up on Sunday morning, December 15th, and it's going to snow like six inches yeah. in, in Kansas City. What are your thoughts going into that day? Like, God, are, you know, this is, has to be you. Yeah, so we actually started 14 days before. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're looking at the 15-day forecast. So we knew a couple weeks before, man, there's a chance of snow. Um, and tell me that's not going to happen. Should we collect early? And, and as we move closer and the snow just got confirmed more and more and more, I told our pastors when we prayed on Sunday, for me, it was honestly a, a relief because, you know, you, you hope, you know, as, as the leader of something like this, you go into the final Sunday thinking, I hope we did enough. I hope we did it right. I hope this last message is good enough. I hope we leave time for the offering. You, you just want to get it. You want to leave everything perfect so that you don't mess up. And when that much snow comes, you realize, okay, all the plans are out the window. None of this relies on us. We could not even preach. The message doesn't matter. The offering time doesn't matter. No one's going to be at church. Yeah. <laughs> either Either God's going to do it or he's not. So when you wake up and drive to church in the snow, it almost was a relief because it was like the, the Lord took all the pressure off of us and said, watch this now. I'm not even going to give you a chance to think that you can screw this up. I'm going to totally wipe out the plans you would make. And I'm still going to do it. Watch, watch this. I could almost see God with a smile on his face, talking to the Son and the Holy Spirit, having their holy huddle and saying, watch, watch what we're going to do to, um, to journey. We're going to freak them out for two weeks. We're going to teach them to surrender because they can't stop the snow. And then we're going to show them that it's all about us and that what we do is always above and beyond not only what they wanted, but anything they could have asked or imagined. We, would, we wouldn't have prayed for nearly $11 million to come in. We would have, we would have thought that was a foolish prayer to pray. Um, yet, yet God did it like God always does. And, and now we pray that what he has started, he will, he, will, uh, he will finish. That's such great perspective, Pastor Christian. Thank you. Well, let's talk about your message for Sunday. On Sunday, we launched our brand new series entitled Dear God, Learning How to Talk to God. Uh, for the next few weeks, we'll be t discussing the value and the importance of prayer in the life of every follower of Jesus. And your key text uh, this past Sunday was Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And this passage is right in the heart of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Can you can you take a moment to discuss the background and the significance of this specific sermon from Jesus? Yeah, so this week's sermon in Matthew chapter 6, next week's sermon in Matthew chapter 7 are both, I mean, right, right out of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' coming out party as a rabbi, as a teacher. As a matter of fact, he got, he got to the end of his sermon, and when you read the last few verses of Matthew 7, people... Um, they realized he was different. They realized he taught with authority. They realized he had a new message. And Jesus' message was, was this. After 400 you know, dark years of prophecy um, from the last prophet of the Hebrew Bible, Malachi, no, no prophet of God had spoken for 400 years. There wasn't any what, what we would call written scripture added to the Hebrew Bible. And, and then here comes Jesus. And what had happened in, in that 400-year period was Israel's relationship with God had really become uh, much more about religious principles than than relationship. Um, it had become much more about 
what you do than who you are, how you think, how you feel, how you treat other people. It was just a task list of things that you did. And Jesus showed up, and in Matthew chapter 5, really Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he began to shape a picture of authentic faith. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, here are the outward signs of inauthentic faith, um, from the Beatitudes to salt and light to here's what Here's what people will see in you to see your faith. In Matthew chapter 6, he talked about the internal signs of an authentic faith, um, giving, praying, fasting, things that people never see, but, but that you do on the inside if you have an authentic faith. And then in Matthew chapter 7, he talked about the active parts of having authentic faith. And he talked a whole lot about your fruit and good trees bearing good fruit and bad trees bearing bad fruit. And people are going to be able, they're going to be able to look at you and see which way of life you're living based on your actions. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7 was all about Jesus reframing authentic faith from the inside to the outside to the to the actions, really the 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 life actions, not the religious actions, but who you were, who you were becoming um, in Jesus. And right, I mean, right in the middle of that, Jesus said one of the things that's really going to signify your authentic faith is going to be your private prayer time. And as we enter this series, you know, called "Dear God: Learning How to Talk to God," um, my hope is it, here's here's so my belief more than a hope, right? right? My my belief. My theology, my doctrine is that every person sitting in our church, every person listening to this podcast, every person that watches online who is truly a Christian, um, and I don't know how many, I don't know if we have one or 100% of people in our church who are truly Christians. I don't know, I don't know that anyone can know. We, we can evaluate. We've been taught how to evaluate things. But I know this, every authentic Christian sitting in our church has a longing and a hunger to pray. Because Jesus says it's one of the inward signs of having an authentic faith. They may not know how to. They may not take the time to. They may not prioritize it. But they've got a hunger to connect with God on a deeper relational level. You cannot live in relationship unless you live in conversation. We talked about that in the uh, in the message Sunday. Um, so it, it's it's an important thing to learn how to do and to make time to do. Because if you have an authentic faith, part of, part of that, part of what grows that is is going to be your prayer life. Let's flesh that out just a little bit. You mentioned that the first important theme taught by Jesus is his mandate for prayer, his mandate, uh, his instruction for prayer. So I, I, re- I recently reviewed a Pew Research study for from 2014, so a few years ago, that showed that 55% of adults pray daily, while 23% of adults admit to seldom or never praying. And the study also showed that the trend is actually going down. They showed some stats from 2007 that it was just a little bit higher in percentage. So the trending is going down. What are we missing when we don't pray? What, when we don't talk to God, what are we missing out on? Yes. So I would say it's, I mean, it's the, you, you could, so you could ask that question a bunch of ways. Right. Right. What are we missing when we don't talk to our spouse if we're married? What are we missing when we don't talk to our kids if we're parents, what are we missing when we don't talk to our coach? If we're a player, what are we missing if we don't talk to our players? If we're a coach, if you see following Jesus, if you see Christianity as a relationship, not a religion, um, that I mean that that question is a totally different question to ask it spiritually. You know, what are we missing when we don't pray? Well, I mean, gosh, you're you're missing surrendering your heart to God. You're missing taking time for God. You're missing hearing from God. You're um, you're missing talking to God. But when when we see Christianity as a relationship, 
um, we we are we are eroding the relationship. Um, we're missing the heart of someone who we're supposed to be in relationship with. If I went a week without talking to my wife, we would not be as close as if we talked every day. Same thing with God. If you go a week without talking to God, you're not going to be as close as you were if if you didn't talk to him. If you go if you went a month without talking to God, you wouldn't you wouldn't be as close um, as you would be if you talked to him every day or every other day for a month. So I think what what we're missing the most is intimacy. Um, now. Are we also missing answer prayer? Yes, because Jesus said some things you don't have because you don't ask for. So are we missing answered prayer? Yes. Are we missing a right standing with God? Possibly. Uh, we studied in Isaiah 59 where it said sin stands between you and God. So uh, if you if you live enough days, you're going to have some sins in your life, if not sins of commission, sins you commit, then sins of omission, things you should have done that you didn't do. So prayer is one of those things if you live in a in a world of confession that allows you to, to have a right standing with God through Jesus. So, yeah, you, all, you also might be missing that. You might be... Um, missing times of surrender. You might be missing times of worship. So spiritually, yeah, there, I mean, there's all kinds of things spiritually you'll miss, but I would say the single greatest thing you miss when you don't pray is intimacy. The single greatest thing you don't have when you don't pray is is intimacy. Pastor Christian, perhaps many Christians fail to pray because they don't understand the mission or the purpose of prayer. And you, you unpack that a little bit in your message. You stated that really the purpose of prayer is to help shape our inner character, to change our heart, to resemble more of the heart of God. As you look at Matthew chapter 6, what characteristics or attributes of God can, you, can, can we see, can you see revealed in Jesus' model of prayer? Yeah, so we taught in this message a very simple um, acronym, you know, model of prayer, the the ACTS model of prayer, um, just A C T S, and we pulled right out of right out of the Lord's prayer, not in that order. Uh, they don't go in A C T S in the Lord's prayer; they go in A S C T. But that sounds like a cuss word um, if you would say it. So we're gonna, we're going to choose ACTS because it's an English word that doesn't sound like a bad English word. Um, and you say what what are the what are the aspects of prayer? Adoration. Uh, right, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just the the admission and prayer that God is different, God is separate, God is holy, God is a whole. He's a whole nother than what we are, and and to take time praising those attributes of God or actions of God, creations of God, that that set him apart from the mountains to the sunrise to the sunset to the oceans to the power of the storms to the refreshing spring rains to the you know the grass and the trees and the flowers blooming in the spring i mean all all of those things those attributes actions or creations of God that are worthy um, of our worship. We talked about confession. Um, Jesus said, you know, forgive my trespasses. Uh, it's important. And, and we talk not just about confessing trespasses, but we talked about confessing temptations. Uh, it's one thing to say, forgive me of my sin. It's a whole different thing spiritually to say and get to the heart of temptation. Um, when you when you find yourself confessing sin, you're at one level spiritually. When you find yourself praying at temptation, you're at a whole nother level because you've got you've got ahead, you've got ahead of the action, and now you're dealing with the attitude um, in your heart. Jesus doesn't just say forgive us our trespasses; he says lead us not to temptation. So he he goes the next level of confession. We talked about that the that, that tea Thanksgiving, um, just saying thank you 
to things that God has done for you. Um, you know, the, the mountains, the sunrise, the sunset, the oceans, those are all part of general revelation. You could say God did those for you, but really not just for you. But the thing that happened at work, uh, the health scare that was taken care of, the blessing that you received, um, those are all things that happened to you. So I said it Sunday, you know, you need to thank God for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And don't just thank him for the things, but thank him for how those things made you more like Jesus. Um, right. You don't, you don't, you, you would, you would be like a sadist to thank God for a toothache. But if you say, God, thank you that this toothache, rem, you know, reminded me that every day I take my health for granted. Thank you that this toothache reminded me that there are people all over the world who don't have dental care. And the reason I need to go on a mission trip is to go help. But when you, you don't, you don't thank God for the good, the bad and the ugly because of how good, bad or ugly they are. But you thank God for everything that helps make you more like Jesus or show you Jesus in a greater way or help push you towards the mission of Jesus. And then that S, that supplication, we just said, uh, it, we said, it's okay to ask God for things. Jesus said, give me my daily bread. Um, there are things that I need today that, God, I'm going to ask you for. So I, I think Christians need to know you have permission to ask God for things. But too many, too many, too many Christians pray with an S on their chest, like Superman, right, rather than an axe in their heart. Um, it's all supplication. Their prayer life is a big S. Give me, 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 give me. It's all about me. Instead of God, everything is really all about you. And I have failed you in so many ways. And I'm so sorry. And I want to confess my sin because Isaiah says if we hold iniquity in our heart, God doesn't even hear our prayer. So we're stopped. Like we're stopped. Um, if we, if we try to go to God for things without giving God our sin, we're stopped. Um, so we adore, we confess, we give thanks, and, and then we ask for things. Those are okay. I think that model prayer that Jesus taught us is phenomenal, and I, and I said it on Sunday, the Lord's Prayer is never repeated or recited in the rest of the New Testament as a prayer. So it's, oh, that, like, we're supposed to pray that. Well, how come Paul never prayed it? How come Peter never prayed it? I, I mean, I think it's a great, I, I love it. I, I think it's a great prayer to pray. I think it can teach you how to get to the heart of God. But your prayer is your conversation with God. And we see throughout the rest of the New Testament, the apostles and the followers of Jesus praying their prayers and their words to God. But the model is, hey, praise him, thank him, confess your sin, ask for things. That's that's what prayer is. Um, and those are things that help you have the heart of Jesus and the more you look like Jesus, the closer you are to the heart of God and who God created you to be in his image. So if we can do those things, we can see God, we can see the sin in ourselves, um, we can be thankful for God's grace, for his mercy. And the more we see what God has done for us, the more it changes how we see the world and what we are willing to do for others, which is, I know is going to lead into your next question. Yeah, so yeah, let's discuss the last couple verses of the small passage in the Sermon on the Mount on prayer, uh, specifically looking at verse 14 and 15. You know, sadly, sometimes as a, as a church, um, even as individuals, we've been guilty of hurting our wounded, and we often use passages like this one to often inflict more damage than seek healing and redemption. And verse 14 and 15 state this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, so let me ask you this, Pastor Christian, does this passage teach us that forgiveness from God is related to my forgiveness of 
of others. Or let me ask it this way. Is God's willingness to forgive me when I have wronged him dependent on my willingness to forgive others when they've wronged me? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say it through a, uh, I, forgive me if I talk over anyone's head, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it through the lens of good doctrine. Um, that is what that verse says. That is not what that verse can mean. Because when when you when you look at creating doctrine, doctrine is the whole of the Bible. What is the what does the Bible say on an entire topic? When you look at the whole of the Bible, Ephesians two eight and nine really is is the bullseye of how someone is saved, how someone is forgiven. You know, it's it's by grace are you saved through faith. That's a gift from your God. It's not it's not of yourself, so that no one can boast. Um, I I heard growing up my entire life. That if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. But Brandon, that is a works-based salvation. That is saying the way you earn forgiveness is by forgiving. And that is bad doctrine. There's nothing you can do to earn forgiveness. There's no amount of money you can give to earn forgiveness. There's um, there's no amount of community service you can do to earn forgiveness. There's there's no amount of, of being kind to someone that you can do to earn forgiveness. And forgiving people does not make God forgive you. God chooses to forgive people based on the sacrifice of his son, based on his love for us, and that's it. So this verse cannot be, it it cannot mean, though it appears to say you cannot be forgiven unless you forgive, forgiveness is how you earn forgiveness. It appears to say that it cannot mean that, which means we have to back up and say, well, what does it what does it yes. mean then? If mm-hmm. I mean, it clearly says that somehow, you know, forgiveness is going to have this this mutual relationship where where the way we forgive is the way we're forgiven. It's the way it's the way we see forgiveness. So how does this work? And I talked a little bit on Sunday, probably too briefly about things in Scripture that are descriptive. Versus things in Scripture that are prescriptive. Um, things in Scripture that are prescriptive. If you think about a prescription, you get a doctor says you have to do this. There are lots of things in the Bible that are that are prescriptive. Um, you have to repent of your sins to be saved. Um, you, you should get baptized. You know, once once you're a Christian, you should go get baptized. Those are all prescriptions. Those are all do this. But then every now and then we we see descriptions. Where it basically says someone who someone who has given their heart and life to Christ is gonna is going to do this. It's gonna describe their actions. But it's not it's not a prescription of what you have to do. This is a descriptive text which says if you will pray that God forgives you like you forgive others, you're gonna begin to see how God truly forgives you. Um, because one, most people shouldn't pray that prayer. Forgive me the way I forgive the person who hurts me the most. Nobody wants God to forgive them that way. And thankfully, he doesn't. Right? Nobody wants God to forgive them the way they forgive the person who hurts them the most. Because we've got a long way to go between our heart and God's heart. But what this is saying is if, if you will really pray that and focus on confession of sins, if you will really allow forgiveness to wash over you, there's no one on earth who can do to you something worse than you did to Jesus. And he forgave you. 
So what you will begin to do in a spirit of grace and mercy because of who you are and what you've learned, you will begin to release forgiveness to other people as well. It doesn't mean you have to forgive or you cannot be forgiven. I've been taught that you can hurt people saying there's some people who've been hurt so badly who think I would love to be a Christian, but I cannot forgive my rapist. I cannot forgive the murder. I cannot forgive, you know, that my abuser. You say, whoa, wait, wait, that. You don't have to forgive them to give your heart to Jesus. Jesus, that that is not. There are no conditions to salvation, right? But the more you understand how Jesus has forgiven you, the more the more you might be willing to release in forgiveness those uh, who have hurt you. Not to make light of it, but when we really understand how Jesus has forgiven us, um, this verse is describing how we will be willing to forgive others. And Jesus told several parables about this, where he said, yeah, who has forgiven more? How do you forgive? Who who shows that their heart understands forgiveness? He, he told a lot of stories like that. Um, but for anyone to say, God forgiving you is conditional on anything that you do, is that's bad doctrine. That's You're saved by grace. It's a gift of God. There's nothing you can do to earn it. However, the more you understand it, um, the more things like this describe you. It's descriptive doctrine. Christians who learn to pray, Christians who learn to have the heart of God, Christians who really deeply understand forgiveness will be Christians who try to forgive just like God has forgiven them. And that will prove that they are really beginning to understand and have the heart of God. Pastor Christian, last question for today. It's now an annual tradition of journey. At the beginning of every new year, we challenge everyone to select a single word that will be their theme word for the year. So people have really taken a hold of this. They can they they, they really put a lot of thought into this. Um, but for those of us who haven't yet considered their word yet for 2020. How would you advise us as we try to select the best word for the year? you have any tips for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would try to write down as many goals as possible in as many areas as possible um, and then and then see if there's a theme hmm. for them. Uh, I would try to look 365 days in advance. Here, here's the question that I try to ask every year. So on January 1, 2020, I want to look at January 1, 2021. I understand we have a leap year coming. Is, is 2020 a leap year? Is that right? I know I your daughter so. only yep, has birthdays on leap year. So believe, yeah, you're yeah. just going to turn four um, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I try to stand on January 1, 2020 and say, okay, on January 1, 2021, things will be better than they are right now if these things happen. And then I write down what those things are. And I say, all right, what is an underlying word of all of all of those things. So I'm not trying to describe my experience. I'm not trying to have any wishful thinking. I'm saying for me to get to where I think I want to be, for me to get to where would be a good spot in my journey, probably these 10 or 12 things are going to happen. And there's no way those are happening unless I have this. Um, for, for me this year in, in 2019, my word was breakthrough. Um, I was I was looking for a breakthrough in a few areas of life um, that I did not attain, but what God did in my faith this year through our Summit Lakes campus, through this building campaign, I will look back at 2019 as the year of breakthrough where I think I really believed God was big enough to do what he had called us to. And 2019 will be the year where I finally released everything God was calling us to do and said, I don't see how, but God, if you want to go, 
um, it will be a year of breakthrough in my faith. I, I thought it was going to be a year of breakthrough in my dieting um, and in my health that I get, you know, real healthy in my schedule and in my routine and my marriage and my parenting, that things would be better than they've ever been before. And a lot of those things were better because I pursued that. But the real breakthrough um, for me came in what God did in my faith by allowing me to to grow. Um, and I, I'm, work, I'm working on several words for next year. I think I've already got my word, but we'll... Um, I'll, I'll either give it in the sermon on January 5 or we'll discuss it on the podcast the next week uh, or maybe both. But see yourself on January 1, 2021. What's it going to take to get there? Brand that as your word for the year um, and then run. Run with it. Ryan and I said in our message last week, um, your direction, not your intentions, determines your destination. Selecting your word is is your opportunity to set your direction for the year. So that's a good word, Pastor Christian. Well, thank you for another great podcast, and, and we are really looking forward to the rest of this year at Journey. It's going to be exciting. And uh, we're really looking forward to launching the year with not only a Sunday series on prayer, but also our 21 days of prayer journey, which begins tomorrow or begins uh, uh, Monday uh, the 6th. So um, we're we're really excited about that. And uh, here's some good news for you as podcast listeners. If you do not live in or around Lee Summit community or in the Kansas City area, you can be just as involved in the 21 Days of Prayer. You can live stream the experience every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Central Standard Time or 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. We stream the service on Facebook and on our website at takethejourney.cc. It's going to be a tremendous way to start your day off on the right foot. Also, we'd love to hear what you have selected as your word for the year. Send us a quick message to activate at takethejourney.cc and tell us what you selected as your word and why you chose it. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.